Do you like free stuff? I do. BlueprintMCAT.com. Go sign up for a free account. Get access to Blueprint MCAT's Diagnostic, Blueprint MCAT's Full Length One, Blueprint MCAT's amazing brand new space repetition platform with over 1,600 flashcards already made for you, as well as their amazing study planner tool. Schedule out the content so you know if you are on track to take the MCAT when you need to. Again, that's blueprintmcat.com for all of those free goodies. The MCAT Podcast, session number 198. A collaboration between the medical school headquarters and Blueprint MCAT. The MCAT Podcast is free MCAT prep to help you understand the MCAT, teach you how to break down questions, and give you the skills and confidence to get the score you want on your MCAT test day. Learn more about Blueprint MCAT at blueprintprep.com slash MCAT. Collaboration between the medical school headquarters and Next Step Test Prep, the MCAT podcast is here to make sure you have the information you need to succeed on your MCAT test day. We all know that the MCAT is one of the biggest hurdles you'll face as a pre-med, and we're here to give you the motivation and information that you need to know to help get you the score you deserve so you can one day call yourself a physician. Welcome to the MCAT podcast. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week. As always, I'm joined by Phil from Blueprint MCAT, formerly Next Step Test Prep. If you haven't gone and signed up for Blueprint MCAT's free bundle of goodies, Go over to blueprintprep.com, click on MCAT, and go check out all the amazing free resources that they have, including the first full-length exam that we are going over right now. Phil, back with another MCAT podcast, continuing our breakdown of the CARS section of Blueprint MCAT full-length one. Last week, we went through passage one. I think I was four out of six. This week yeah. hopefully is better with passage two. Hopefully. Hopefully, hopefully. better. <laughs> yeah. All right. What do I we think got? There's seven questions with this one. So I mean, you got you get you get an extra shot, right? All right. Um, I think this question isn't quite as bad as the previous one. Um, definitely want to recommend students follow along on uh, YouTube, obviously, just because you know, dealing with cars passages, just like on test day, you want to be able to refer back to the passage itself. Um, so you can kind of like follow along and, and look at the things that you need to be able to look at. So our second passage here is about cargo cult behaviors. So cargo cult behaviors provide opportunity for cultural anthropologists uh, examining millenarian legends. Once again, we got some new terms. More important is the Western discourse that has grown up around cargo cults, which we shall simply call the cargo cult myth. This myth represents an insidious form of Western imperialism with, at its roots, two pervasive facets of Western culture, materialism and paternalism. So right off the bat, the author here is not neutral. The author has some real strong feelings, right? Um, This myth represents the insidious form of the Western imperialism. So it's insidious and there's not a fan. Um, We also have this like millenarian legend stuff. And then the very next sentence, more important is the Western discourse. So the author is telling us that this is really what we care about. And so whatever's going on with the millenarian legends, I got no idea, but it tells me that what the author is actually cares about here is like what, how this 
is related to the Western discourse. Um, so the Western discourse on cargo cults. What's a cargo cult? I got no idea. Right? <laughs> like this is this is this is new stuff um, going on here. So we have these two parts of this: this Western, which the author is not a fan of this Western imperialism, not a fan of materialism, and not a fan of paternalism. And so, like highlighting those things as they go along. Um, important to recognize what it is that the author actually cares about. So the Melanesian islands house groups of tribal peoples who for thousands of years have no contact with outsiders. Staging ground preparations in World War II saw an influx of Japanese and American soldiers into the islands. The sudden contact with advanced industrial society came as a shock to the Melanesians. Seeing large cargo planes dropping huge crates of supplies, often shared with the locals by the servicemen, created societal upheavals. To the Melanesians, only the gods could be powerful enough to bestow such amazing material wealth. So the soldiers were seen as priests who had some special power to please the gods and bring them cargo. When the war ended, the servicemen departed. In response, the tribesmen began performing religious rituals to bring the cargo back. They built mock airstrips in the jungle, began dressing in outfits designed to mimic the soldiers' uniforms, and even began parading around in imitation of military drills and formations. This is actually pretty interesting now that I'm looking at this. You know, yeah. the Melanesian islands, like they, they're pretending they're in the military to try to get airplanes to come back. <laughs> so anthropologists and other Western observers, first seeing this behavior, reacted with amused paternalism. Once again, something the author is not a fan of, right? Early publications made comparisons to children playing house. Theodore Schwartz and Peter Lawrence, two of the first anthropologists to study cargo cults, laid down what became the basic tenets of the cargo cult myth. Schwartz wrote extensively on how Melanesians had a great emphasis on demonstration of material wealth. Local chieftains were often the ones who could most, uh, who could most ostent ostentatiously display their status through goods. The arrival of enormous quantities of material wealth from the cargo containers was jarring, demonstrating the vastly higher status of the Japanese and American servicemen. Lawrence focused on indigenous value systems that predated the cargo cults and suggested again that the materialism and provincialism of the Melanesian tribes created the necessary preconditions for cargo cult development. And so we have this, these like these people of the islands were used to determining like your stance in society on how much stuff you had and then these soldiers came in and they got way more stuff. <laughs> I have so, three twigs. Oh yeah. yeah. I have MREs. <laughs> right. I have MREs and a black Hawk. Right? <laughs> um, so going into this, so it wasn't until the 1962 documentary film Mondo Kane, however, that the cargo cult myth became widely known and the accepted discourse inside and outside of academia. This so-called documentary caught the public's imagination an explosion of films, books, and scholarly articles followed, each further emphasizing the materialism and backwardness of the tribesmen. While contemporary eyes may be offended by the paternalism of his early work, is there any truth to it? Schwartz and Lawrence were no academic lightweights. Each had a long and successful career as academic cultural anthropologists, and their work, although dated, should not be wholly dismissed. So we know the author is not a fan of this paternalism, materialism stuff. But on the other hand, the, the author here is kind of couching their opinion a little bit and saying, well, you know, the people who came up with these, they're not like you can't just dismiss them because they're pretty serious academics. Yeah. So the truth of the cargo cult myth. I love this. The author's just going to be like, here's the truth. 
Um, so the truth of the cargo cult myth lies in its attempt to tie how Melanesians viewed material wealth with their behavior after encountering industrial industrialized society. Most Melanesian tribes followed a big man pattern in which the political authority was held by the person best able to give away material gifts. The current big man could be displaced at any time by another individual who is capable of giving away more and bigger gifts. With no formal authority structures and no heritable authority, the pressure on a big man to continuously build and give away material wealth is large. When the servicemen begin casually giving away things like extra ration tins, extra clothing, and other manufactured goods, the tribesmen perceive them as big men, the likes of which had never been encountered. The notion that cargo cults that later developed were materialistic had a grain of truth, but the materialism was entirely at odds with the Western acquisition or acquisitive notion of material wealth. So the author is saying here that the materialism that's being exhibited here by the Melanesians is different than the the like materialism seen yeah. in like these Western cultures. Yeah. And so it seems it's more about like giving away stuff um, that is like the material that's kind of important within these Melanesians. So it is a in a way a material um, you know focused society, but it's it's focused on giving rather than like acquiring which yeah. is what the western notion is are you a fan so, of as as a student is reading this the the thing that comes to mind as as we were reading that and as you were talking is this this is very similar to the the big man right who who do we have as a big man in our country well the the president who we elect and oh he gives away uh, tax breaks and he gives away all the stuff that he's going to promise on the campaign trail. It's very similar kind of thinking there. Yeah, that's actually really interesting. I hadn't, I hadn't gone there, but now the moment that you, you bring that up, I'm like, Oh yeah, there's some very clear analogies that can be made in this. Does it help a student do that? Do you think? I think it helps to understand it. Maybe. Mm. I think on the other hand though, you have to be really careful not to bring in your own viewpoints. You need to still make sure that whatever you choose as your answer has something in the passage to help you get there. Um, and you're not just going off of your interpretation, your analogies. I, I'll admit there are times when I'm reading stuff um, that I will do some similar things. I'll I'll be like, oh, this is like that one you know person I know in my family or something. Yeah. And and like it's hard to stop that. And if it helps you understand it better, that's good. But you you have to be really careful. Um, not to choose answers based on that outside information, um, but it's still got to come from the passage whatsoever. Okay. So I guess, you know, I guess the the short answer to that is if it helps you understand what's in the passage, it's good. If it starts going beyond that, it's a problem. Okay. And so making sure that it's relevant to that itself. Okay. All, All right. right. So question, question number seven, which of the following actions is most likely to be taken by the big man and a typical Melanesian tribe? Answer choice A, performing, uh, perform elaborate rituals that mimic behaviors of Japanese military servicemen during World War II. B, encourage his tribe to attack a neighboring tribe to acquire their possessions. C, have a paternalistic view towards other tribes that began a cargo cult. D, give livestock and weapons away to members of a neighboring group to increase his status with that group. So just what we're talking about, right? The big man is the one who's giving away stuff. The one who has the the stuff to give away is the one who has a, a bigger um, place in the in that in their world. The thing that potentially throws me off, and I probably trips up a lot of students, is that 
answer choice D, give away livestock, give, give livestock and weapons away to members of a neighboring group. So it's like, wait a minute, that is that is that wrong because it's a neighboring group? It should be within his his or her own group. Um, so I'm going to put that one on the back burner for now and just look at the other one. So A, perform elaborate rituals, right? That was part of what we read. It was like dressing up like servicemen, but that really had nothing to do with being the big man. That was just what they all did because they wanted more more cargo to f- fall from planes. Um, right. So A's, that's exactly that thing we were talking about last time about scratching this itch where yeah. you're like, I read that. That's a thing, but it doesn't really answer the question because yeah. that doesn't have anything to do with the big men specifically. Yeah. B, encourage this tribe to attack a neighboring tribe to acquire their possessions. That seems logical, right? It's like, well, if you have more possessions, then you can give them away. So let's go attack and and take them away. So that one's, I'm like, oh, maybe, right? That's kind of opposite of D, which is like, give it away, but it's to the neighboring group. So, Mm -hmm. oh, man. Uh, C, have a paternalistic view towards other tribes that began a cargo cult. No, that's that's, uh, the Western world having the paternalistic view. So B and and D are my go-to here. It didn't really talk about attacks on other tribes, but I don't know if that's we have to like go beyond what we read. But because how are they going to get the possessions? Well, you have to go take them from someone, um, or you just whittle some wood all day long. Um, <laughs> but really, D D is the most seems like it's the most right because it's like yeah, you're just giving away livestock and weapons, and it's a, to another group. But that's exactly what you want to do. You want to build your status to everyone. So I'm gonna go with D just because I'm super confused. Yeah, yeah. No, there's that one definitely like if if you didn't look at the answer choices and I ask you, like, what is it that a big man does? You're going to say, like, give away stuff. Yeah. And so that's why I think it's kind of useful to try to predict answers, because the answer is D. It's just, you know, kind of give away stuff. There's something to be really careful of because B makes sense when you like logic your way through it. Mm -hmm. But note that they say acquire their possessions. And so the very last sentence of the passage is saying that the materialism of you know the melanesians was completely at odds with the the western acquisitive or acquiring Mm -hmm. notion of materialism and so it turns out i'd say b is actually maybe more of a western um viewpoint of like acquiring materials (laughs) what are you talking about we never attack anyone else for their stuff no no like oil we've never gone to battle or war because we want something somebody (sighs) else has yeah Um, okay a little too close to home there (laughs) yep okay so interest choice D. That makes sense. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I think part of part of B made me I was reading into it what wasn't there was encourage his tribe to attack a neighboring tribe to acquire their possessions so that he can give them away. Right. And so that that's exactly what you're doing. You're kind of like going too deep, thinking too much. Yeah. I think that that's something that is really important as somebody dealing with cars, that you're not being an analyst. You're not like coming up with scenarios and that sort of thing. What you're doing instead is being a reporter. You're mm. reporting on what the passage said. Mm. And so like what exactly is going on there? Like they didn't say anything about going to war, taking stuff to give away or anything like that. So anything that you bring in there is not actually existing. Yep. And so you can't bring that info in. Okay. Yeah. All right. Question eight. The author's attitude toward the work of Schwartz and Lawrence can best be described as A, deeply appreciative, B, disgusted and dismissive, yeah, C, disinterested but admiring, D, skeptical with measured respect. Ooh, 
This is a hard one. So they, he, the author at one point did say that Schwartz and Lawrence were no academic lightweights, long, successful career. So that's some respect there. So that right away is like, okay, that potentially. Skeptical doesn't seem like a strong enough word for how the author started it with the... Um, uh, the the thought process, I don't even know where it is right now, but it seemed like it was a little bit more negative, but that respect part is interested. Disinterested but admiring is almost that whole respect thing as well. Disgusted and dismissive seems too strong. Deeply appreciative obviously is wrong. So I'm going to go skeptical and measured with measured respect. Yeah, it's that like one sentence where they, they talk about, you know, their work, though dated, should not be wholly dismissed. That's telling you the author thinks it's a little bit dated, but yep. can't just dismiss it. Um, C is tempting. I'll give you that that admiring thing like they're they have this like heavy academic career. The, the problem is disinterested. Yeah, like, I, I don't think the author would say, like, I, I'm not interested. I don't care about any of this. I mean, he, he wrote the whole passage. On <laughs> um, yeah. so obviously, they're they're not they're interested somewhat in it. Yep. All right. So question number nine, the passage suggests that the cargo cult myth is founded largely on A, the work of early anthropologists such as Schwartz and Lawrence, B, popularity of the film Mondo Kane, C, desire of the Melanesian tribesmen to acquire manufactured goods, or D, need of Melanesian big men to attain or to maintain their status. Oh, this seems like a trap question because it's the cargo cult myth is founded, not necessarily what the tribesmen were doing. Right. Right. So there's a lot of answers in here that are scratching itches. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a thing, right? All four of these are in the passage somewhere and yeah, you can talk yourself into it with enough time. So C and D I'm going to throw out right away because that's, that's what happened. That wasn't the myth around what happened. Um, And so the question is, the where's the myth from now the the mondo kane talked about um the 1962 documentary that the cargo cult myth it was not until that film that the cargo cult myth became widely known in the accepted discourse inside and outside of academia so that seems like that's what it is founded on potentially So, so I think that's a trap because really the documentary, documentary is that um, (laughs) losing words. Yeah, so that's what happens when you do enough cars. Yeah, my guess is that the documentary was founded on the work of Schwartz and Lawrence, and so that had to come first. And so, what is it all founded on? It's founded on their work, and so I'm going to go with A. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I do want to like warn you and other students, like your your thought process. Great. The problem was it was a thought process. <laughs> and like the, the, for this, I'm just going to go back and find it, right? Like where did it start? So if I go back to the Mondo Kane thing, yeah. it wasn't until this documentary film Mondo Kane that the cargo myth, cult myth became widely known and accepted, which means that it existed before. It just wasn't accepted. Yeah. And then if you go to the the Schwartz and Lawrence in the paragraph above, Theodore Schwartz and Peter Lawrence, two of the first anthropologists to study cargo cults, laid down what became the basic tenets of the cargo cult myth. 
And so they're saying like, oh, they created the cargo cult myth. And so your thought process, absolutely great. And if you're in a science section, I think is a good idea. But within cars, you always have to be careful and just like, oh, like, what do they say? Yeah. Um, did I get it right? Did I got it right, didn't yeah, I? Yeah, you're right. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. You got it correct. Yeah. Okay. Now, now you're questioning everything. Yeah. It was the Schwartz and Lawrence. Yeah. Okay. Report. Report. Don't. Uh, don't analyze. Don't and analyze. that honestly is one of the hardest things for students in cars because you have to learn because what that analyzing stuff is what makes you so good at the sciences. That's what makes you successful in the sciences. And so you're being rewarded constantly for doing this um, three fourths of the test. And then you get to this section and students will want to do the same thing, right? Kind of like basic, like operant conditioning. If you're rewarded for something, you want to do it more often. And so you have to take this and just kind of like crumple that analytic viewpoint (laughs) in your mind. You have to crumple that into a ball and chuck it out with all the info um, and like not let yourself do that, which is hard because you have to change your thought process, which is way harder than learning a fact. Um, yeah. Anyway, question 10, right? So is it your turn or mine? Uh, you did seven. I did eight. You did nine. It's my turn. 10. The cargo cult myth assumes which of the following ideas? Uh, this is a Roman numeral one. So Roman numeral one, Melanesian tribesmen have a materialistic view of the world. Two, Melanesians believes that their mock runways could attract cargo planes to bring them material wealth. Three, the isolation of Melanesians left them ignorant and backwards. Um, so the cargo cult myth. So tribesmen have a materialistic view of the world, right? That's the that's what the Western world is saying, that they're just all materialistic. So that seems correct. Melanesians believe that their mock runways could attract cargo planes. Um, it seems like I'm, I'm hesitating on that one because that's what they did, but is that part of the myth? So I, I'm going to say that's correct because, um, even though that is what they did, that's, that's what they're also saying too, is that's part of like, oh, they're so materialistic. Look, they built, they built mock runways to get more. Mm-hmm. Um, and three, the isolation of Melanesians left them ignorant and backwards. So my guess is that a lot of students are going to reject number three, just like um, intrinsically, like, oh, that's mean. And and they weren't mm-hmm. ignorant and backwards. They were just isolated. But the myth is that they're ignorant and backwards and that they, they were super materialistic, I think. So I'm going to go with one, two, and three. Yeah, very good. I love that you're kind of like latching on to and thinking like, how are students going to tackle this? Because a lot of them are going to read that and they're going to be like, no, they're not ignorant backwards. And to be honest, the passage kind of supports that. The author of the passage is saying that, you know, those assumptions are possibly incorrect. But the question is asking like, what's the myth? And that's, that's what the myth is saying. I think that that's a constant battle a lot of students are struggling with, myself included, when I first started. I was seeing a question like this and trying to show that I'm a reasonable, ethical, moral human. So please let me into med school. I want to be a doctor, right? But that's not what this this is testing. Yeah. It's testing, do you understand their viewpoints or the different viewpoints going on in the passage? And so you got to be careful not to bring in stuff, even when it seems like really fundamental, like shouldn't murder people or like indigenous people are not ignorant, right? And yeah. like stupid, like you have to be really careful and not bring in that outside info. So question 11, 
I really want to go take the MCAT and see how I do now (laughs) after all this cars print. Right. Right. Um, So question 11, according to the author, the cargo cult myth, A, owes its popularity to film representation. B, can be understood as a morbid fascination by Western audiences with morally backwards but technologically advanced tribal peoples. C, was developed entirely by the work of Schwartz and Lawrence. D, was weakened by paternalistic facets of Western societies. Mm. I love a couple of these answers because right away I'm like, oh, I can get rid of that. Right. So answer choice C was developed entirely by the work of Schwartz and Lawrence. Well, no, they, they were the foundation, um, but then it was built on more after that documentary. So I'm going to throw out C. Uh, answer choice D was weakened by paternalistic facets of Western societies. I think that was the whole, the whole myth was that's it's supported by the paternalistic facets. So that one is just opposite. Uh, B can be understood as a morbid fascination by Western audiences with morally backwards, but technologically advanced tribal people. They weren't technologically advanced. So that's just wrong. So and it's going to go with A, owes its popularity to the film representations, which is the one documentary and then some other stuff that came. Yeah. So not only did B, C, and D just not make sense, which you're ag- absolutely correct, um, the fourth paragraph really supports this idea that this Mondo Kane is what led to this cargo cult myth becoming widely known. Crushing it. All right, question 12. What does the author most strongly imply regarding the uh, cargo cult myth? A, it is a myth precisely because it has no factual basis in the realities of Melanesian life. B, it ultimately reveals more about negative Western perceptions of tribal groups than an accurate representation of those tribal groups. C, accurately represents the key facets of cargo cults, both in how they originally developed and in how they maintained Uh, how they are maintained to this day, or D, it understates the key impact that material wealth plays in Melanesian society. So this is, what is the author? What does the author most strongly imply regarding the myth? Um, So the author seems to be very much that this is a myth. It's not based on fact. It's based on this whole paternalistic Western view of what happened and what's going on. So A seems like a very good answer. B, it ultimately reveals more about the negative Western perceptions of tribal groups rather than the accurate representation of those tribal groups. That seems like a really good one too. Um, C, it's, accurately represents the key facets of cargo cults, both in how they originally developed, how they maintain today. So no, I don't think that's correct. And then D, it understates the key impact material wealth plays in Melanesian society. I think that's false as well. So A and B are weird. So A, they both seem correct. Um, the, the one part that seems to me like makes a wrong is it saying it has no factual basis in realities of Melanesian life. But obviously there has to be some parts that are true. And then the myth obviously expands on them. So I'm going to go with answer choice B. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. That like no factual basis is kind of an extreme statement. Like you have to find a passage somewhere that says there are no facts that match this. 
And the author is saying, like, you know, there's the Schwartz and what's his face? Lawrence. Lawrence. Um, that had, you know, you can't just like wave away their stuff. But I think the real reason I don't want to pick A is that the last paragraph, the notion that cargo cults um, that later developed were materialistic had a grain of truth. And so the author like is telling you here, there is a grain of truth to this. Yep. And so saying there's no factual basis, we can't really go along with that. Yep. Um, yeah. So the answer is B. Sweet. All right. Question. All right, last pass. question of the passage. We're one away from a perfect score on this one. <laughs> So, which of the following assertions would most challenge the primary argument in this passage? A. Mondo Kane was seen as a valid exercise of documentary filmmaking by nearly all who viewed it. B. The Melanesians who carried out cargo cult behavior did not believe they were actually summoning cargo planes, but rather their ancestral spirits. C. The Western discourse on Melanesians was respectful of their social systems and sought to understand cargo cult behavior in light of the tribe's own history and values. And D, the big man description of tribal social structures was itself first constructed by Theodore Schwartz. Hmm. So I have to go back to the question, which assertion would challenge the primary argument in the passage? The question is, what is the primary argument in the passage? And so I think the primary argument is basically how this myth is just a myth and that's not how who these people are. I think that's mm-hmm. what the argument is. Um, and so which one would say flip that and go, no, the, the, the myth is real. This is who these people are. Potentially, I think that's what, the one I'm trying to find. So A, Mondo Kane was seen as a valid exercise of documentary filmmaking by nearly all who viewed it. I don't know if that would challenge it. Um, that's interesting. So basically saying, no, it was reported perfectly. Um, that's who these people are. B, the Melanesians who carried out cargo cult behavior did not believe they were actually summoning cargo planes, but rather their ancestral spirits. And so again, the the whole thing that this was a myth, um, I don't know if that would challenge the argument see the western discourse on melanesians was respectful of their social systems and sought to understand cargo cult behavior in light of the tribe's own history and values c sounds like it's the most strong uh b the big man description of tribal social structures uh was constructed doesn't seem like it's right i'm gonna go with c here because it seems like right the the argument of the passage is this is just a myth. These aren't who these people are. Stop treating them badly. And answer choice C is, oh, no, we're going to treat them nicely and just really say what happened here and respect everything. So right. that, that would flip it. That would challenge it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I think some of these other ones do maybe conflate or like conflict with some of the stuff in the passage, but we're looking for what's going to challenge the main argument, which is that this cargo cult myth uh, was not great because of Western stuff. Yeah. Like we were paternalistic and our materialism kind of like ruined our interpretation of this. Um, yeah. So C's the right answer. All right. Perfect score. That might be a yeah. first for me getting a perfect score on a, on a science, uh, a cars passage. Just, yeah. just a reminder, like I could, the cars when I took it, verbal reasoning was what it used to be called. Like that was my uh-huh. worst section. I got a, a seven, which is, um, what is that now? Like a, a one, 
what is that now? 124 maybe? 123? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, maybe 125. I don't know. I forget what the section breakdowns are. I know overall yeah. it was about a 502 that I got, but um, that, that verbal reasoning section held me down. And it's really been doing all this practice um, on these podcasts that, that have really go, okay, now I know how to think like the MCAT thinks. Yeah. Cars, cars is 100% a skill. It's not knowledge. You don't need to know anything, but you got to practice it just like all skills. You can't like master a unicycle by reading a book, like how to read a unicycle <laughs> for dummies, right? Like you can't develop that skill unless you're actually like practicing yeah. and putting effort and cars is the same way. I would say cars is the one section of the test. You cannot cram because it's a skill. You can cram knowledge. I, I'm not saying you should, but you can yeah. cram like magnetism. Like in a day, you'll sit down like, I'm going to learn magnetism today. At the end of the day, you're magneto. Right? <laughs> like, you don't have to worry about that. But with cars, it doesn't work that way. Because it's a skill, it takes this kind of constant pressure. Um, and that that's how you improve. Yeah. All right. Another good passage in the books. Yeah. All right. Today you have it. It's another great MCAT podcast for you. Thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to share this podcast with your friends, with your classmates, with your advisors. As I always mention on my other show, the pre-med years, collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. So hopefully sharing this with your friends and classmates and everyone else will help them do better on the MCAT as well. Have a great week. We'll see you next time here on the MCAT Podcast. This is MedEd Media.